Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Today's going to be good. I'm excited to bring the message. Like Pastor Aaron said, I'm the St. Pete location pastor. My name is Kenton. And um, it's really cool to be on this side of the bridge. You know, I was sitting here worshiping and I was thinking, the last time I was here on a Sunday, I believe was about two years ago for a summer series we did with some of the other location pastors. So it's really amazing to go around to see what God's doing at our locations because I'm over in St. Pete all the time. So it's cool to come and see, you know what, God's doing great things in more than one place for Radiant Church. And I want to, on that note, take a minute and welcome and recognize that we have five other locations joining us right now. We have Heights, we have Brandon, we have North Tampa, we have online. And so, of course, I can't forget about St. Pete, my tribe. We have St. Pete joining us. Can we make them feel welcome? And if you're a guest here today, come back next week. Pastor Aaron's got an incredible message for you. And uh, I believe you've found what could be your home church. So um, take the steps to get involved, to explore Radiant. We're so honored to have you here today. Um, I'm going to quickly just tell you a little bit about my family. Since I'm in St. Pete, you guys may not know us, may not know me, my family. So if we can put that picture on the screen. This is my wife, Elissa. And uh, we've been married eight years, and she found a gift when she found me. Now, I found a gift when I found her. That uh, She was an answer to prayer, actually. And so, um, so we've obviously started having kids a few years ago. So that's Declan. He is five. Isaiah is three. And Adina is one year old. And I was watching that, um, that fostering video. And was the girl's name Lily? Hurricane Lily, that's how I feel about our daughter, Adina. They would be good friends. So wherever you are, Hurricane Lily, you have to meet my daughter, Adina. We had her thinking, man, good, God, give us a break. She's going to be chill. She'll be laid back. Because those boys, if if you have boys, you know they are wild, fighting, playing all the time. And she's got them trumped. She's beat them well. Like She's just as energetic, just as involved, climbing everything right now. But I love my family. And so we moved here. We got married just over eight years ago in July, and we moved here right after our honeymoon. We came back from our honeymoon. We had, I had lined up a place to live here in South Tampa. Now, let me tell you, that was a hard sell, a little bit of a hard sell going, you know what, I know we're not married yet, we're just engaged, but I think we're supposed to give them everything up, all the plans, and we're supposed to move. We were living in Pensacola. We're supposed to move to South Tampa and help start a church. Don't know if it'll work out. Don't know if it'll go well. Um, don't know what we're going to do for work, but let's just go. And we took a big step of faith and did that. A week after getting home for our honeymoon, we moved here and we sold a business, rented both of our houses, um, quit jobs. We did every major life change you can do except having a kid in, in about two weeks. And it was a major step of faith, but God has rewarded that. Man, we've been here since day one. He's, not only has He rewarded it for our lives, and we've seen His hand of blessing on us, but we've seen His hand of blessing on the church. So what God is doing here at Radiant is truly special. And I can say that because I was here from day one. I remember going with Pastor Aaron, who he's mentioned this, going and looking on Craigslist for our first sound system. I was there. We walked into this sketchy house. You know, this is before Facebook Marketplace. This was Craigslist. We walked into this house, this guy's living room. He had 
he had lights, he had guitars, he had the sound system. He's like, 10 grand. We're like, deal. We just took it all. We started the church. So what you're sitting in is a miracle. And um, I'm so blessed to be here, and you're blessed to be here. I want to take a minute recognize our lead pastor, your lead pastor, Pastor Aaron Burke. Thank him for the opportunity, and just recognize what a gift he is. Can we make him feel celebrated and loved for a minute? He's a gift to us. All right, we're going to dive in today. We're doing a series on generosity, and it's called Living Large. Today's week three. One more week next week. So let's pray before we get started. Can we pray together? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our church, God. We thank you for this moment today where we can gather and lift up your name, the name above all names. I pray, God, today that wherever we're at, whether we're in our car, at our house, at one of these locations, God, you'd speak to us, that you would let us leave differently than the way we came. God, change our hearts today. We love you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Well, what I didn't mention, I mentioned I was from Pensacola. What I didn't mention is that I actually grew up in Alabama, and I lived there until I was about 19 years old. I moved to Pensacola for college. If you don't know where Pensacola is, it's in the panhandle, kind of close to Alabama, and really there's no difference between the two. They're the same thing. The, the sports, everyone's sports teams are interchangeable. You know, you just, everyone drives the same kind of vehicles. They're big lifted trucks. Um, everyone talks the same. So, but I grew up in Alabama. In Alabama, if it's one of those, that's one of those places where you say, uh, how are you doing? They'll, they'll answer by hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. <laughs> just like that. And uh, I'll say it again. I'm hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. And so I know, right, it's kind of gross. I've tried that in St. Pete. You know, I've, a few of you have known, and it just doesn't go over well. Here's the difference between Alabama and here, though. In Alabama, that just makes them hungry. They're like, oh, biscuits. I want some biscuits. No one's thinking about the hair. Um, but today, I'm from Alabama originally. I wanted to give you some ideas. Because if you're like me, you're now you're thinking about, oh, Christmas is coming. Black Friday's coming. I'm going to stock up with some deals. We're talking about generosity today. So I thought I'll give you some ideas on gifts that you can give for Christmas here. And so I, I felt like I'll give you some good creative ideas. Because if you're like me, it's like, I mean, you can't keep buying a purse. You got you to put thought into this. You got to change it up every year. So your friends, your kids, your, your, your spouse, you, you got to keep the ideas fresh. So I got some good ideas. You ready? All right, first one. No one's ready. Y'all ready? All right, I, I know our locations are ready. They're ready. All right, here we go. First one. It's a motorized cooler. Come on, somebody. He's going so fast, his hair is blowing back. That, you know it's fast. So this is like better than Dumb and Dumber scooter. This is incredible. And I think this would go well in South Tampa. You know, you can pull up to a party in this, crack it open, and pull out a nice ice-cold LaCroix. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, okay, number two. This is a great idea. If you know someone that likes to take naps, it's called a knapsack. Yeah. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to go put that to use today. I'm going to buy that. Now, here's the rule. If you do get this, you cannot bring it in church. We will escort you out of the building. You won't need to use it in this church. But uh, I wouldn't recommend, also I wouldn't recommend doing this on a ski slope. Probably not uh, good to do that on a ski lift. But if you look closely, there's a little fan on there. You can turn on that fan and just get some ventilation going. So great idea. Uh, here's one for St. Pete. I love you, St. Pete, folks, but it is the dog capital of the world, I believe. It feels like it. And so this is uh, mops for your dog's feet. 
There you go. Make them clean up their mess. And in fact, if, if you want to clean it up, you can put those on your own feet and walk around. And um, all right, last one. This one's, this one's a good one. You know, we all got stuff. We're always trying to carry some things. Fanny packs are coming back in. And I thought this was good. It's called the Dad Bod Fanny Pack. How real does that look? <laughs> listen, uh, first of all, that's a root beer. That's all that is. He's pulling out of there. But listen, someone in your life needs this. This would be a great gift. I feel like this doesn't work well in South Tampa. We've got a very young, healthy, fit crowd. This might go good in Brandon, though. How about our Brandon location? You got kids. You got a lot of families. You got a lot of stuff you got to carry around. Come on. They get so many jokes over in Brandon. Y'all just got to own it, laugh about it. There's some gift ideas for you. Today, today I'm going to tell you a little bit about how to be rich. Look at your neighbor and ask them, you want to be rich? You want to be rich? Come on, at all locations, turn to your wife if you're at home. Turn to, some, turn to a friend and say, you want to be rich? Yeah. Who doesn't? Right? Today I'm going to talk to you about this topic of being rich in generosity. That's the title of the sermon today, Rich in Generosity. And I feel like in my life, you guys, some, a lot of y'all don't really know me. In my life, I started practicing this from a young age when I was 16 years old. I had my first job. And I was, a, I was doing landscaping. And I would make what I thought was good money as a 16-year-old, 320 bucks a week. 40 hours out in the sun, take that money, and I, and I would just put it in my bank account. I was saving for some things. And so... I remember driving with my dad, and I grew up in church. I grew up in a Christian home, which is a massive blessing. I understand that. But I was driving with my dad, driving my car, and he's like, he was in the passenger seat. I, and I don't know if he remembers this. He might be watching right now. But I remember we were talking about money, and, and I said, man, I'm, I'm frustrated because I just don't have the money to pay for things. And he said, well, are you tithing? And this is a principle like I grew up. I, I've seen God provide in miraculous ways when we were in desperate need. I grew up in ministry. He's been a, a chaplain in prisons for 25 years. So not an easy life, but I'd seen God provide, and he just assumed I was tithing. And I said, well, no, I'm not. And I, I will never forget the look, look of disappointment, the look of shock on his face. Are, are, well, son, you got to do that. God can't bless your life unless you're putting him first in your finances. And from that day on, I chose. 16 years old, every, every check I get, I'm going to the bank, and I did. I'd go to the bank every week, and then I'd take out cash because I didn't want a credit card. I'd take out cash, I'd take out enough money for tithes and enough money for my gas tank, for my car, and uh, obviously. So, uh, so that's what I would do. I was faithful with my finances from that age, and I know, I know for a fact that the faithfulness of, of God that I see now in my life is because I started way back then being faithful with the small, being faithful with the little things. You know, I've been out of debt my entire life, never had debt. I've owned more than one business. I own a business currently, never been in debt. My wife never been in debt. We got married with no debt besides owning a house, and I truly believe that's because we both chose at a very young age to put God first in this idea of generosity. So, but here's the thing about generosity. I want to tell you, it's not even about money. It's not. It's not about how much or how little money you have. This is about the posture of your heart. It's the first note in your, in your notes there. It's, the, it's about the posture of your heart. So this should impact every, every way that you do life. How It should impact the way you look at life. And it should impact everything you do. Today, I want to take us to a passage that talks about this idea of being rich in generosity. And it's, it's, it's about a woman who's very poor She's a widow, she's raising a son all by herself, and there's famine in the land. And there's a man named Elijah who's a preacher. He's basically like an evangelist nearby doing ministry. 
And so that's where this story starts. First Kings chapter 17, verse 7. It says, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, who is Elijah, and he, and it said, and he said, God said to Elijah, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? That's a simple, simple question. So as she was going to get it, he called out and said, oh, also, uh, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, hold on. If I was in this situation in a famine, I wouldn't be asking for a piece of bread. I'd be asking for a loaf of bread, like the steamy, hot kind, like you touch it and it just falls open with steam. And you're going to put some cinnamon. No one likes that? <laughs> Too many bread references in one service? Okay. So... So she's asking, he's asking for a piece of bread. She says, surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now that's pretty desperate. Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have made from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son for this is what the lord the god of israel says the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the lord sends rain on the land she went away and did as elijah had told her so there was food every day for elijah for the woman and for her family for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word the lord has spoken now, let's stop right there. There's more to this story. We'll catch up to that. Here's Elijah. He's desperate, all right? This, this, is a, this famine is kind of affecting everyone, but he's desperate. He needs food. He goes to God, and God says, well, I'm going to send you to a woman who has nothing. She's a, she's a widow. She can't even figure out how to supply her own needs because she's in a desperate spot, too. And so it says God directed a widow. So on the other side of this, wherever they're at, on the other side is the widow who she's hearing from God and saying, God's saying, I'm going to send you a stranger who you don't know, who I want you out of your nothingness to provide for him. Can you imagine that feeling? The feeling of like, man, I don't have anything, God, and yet you want me to trust you enough to provide for someone else first? Some of you might feel like you're there in that spot right now. And she had a decision to make. She had a decision to make. Her decision was, Will I be obedient to what God is asking? So here are the four keys of generosity, four keys for you that I think if you put these into practice at every location, if you put these into practice, this will change your life. Uh, this, I've put this into practice. This has changed my life. The first one is this. Generosity starts with obedience to God. It starts with obedience. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. Now, what does this mean? We've heard that idea, to obey is better than sacrifice. Well, I, don't, I think the idea of sacrifice, we can all figure out in our life how to sacrifice something. We can figure out how to, how to rationalize this, how to, out of our own means, make sure we sacrifice. But obedience says, God, I'll do whatever you want. Obedience says, God, it doesn't matter what you ask. I'm there. Obedience actually is about knowing uh, you just trust God and, and trusting him with the result. I feel like a sacrifice is like you're doing this because you know the result. Obedience is saying, God, I trust you with whatever you ask me to do. Now, why is obedience to God so important? Here's why. Because he has a plan for your life. Does anyone believe that? All right. Not enough people believe that. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a plan for your life. 
God has a plan for your life. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, and it's better than your plan. There you go. At the locations, come on. It's better than your plan. God has a plan for your life. So we got to stop and we have to say, so um, this, is op- this is important because he has a plan. But here's the problem. We all have plans too. And so many times we're running around doing our own thing, trying to figure out life on our own, trying to push through, figure things out, do things on our own. Like that's what culture says to do, right? Just, just go do it, get, figure it out. And you're distracted. You're, there's chaos in your life. And you're figuring out, trying to go, what is, what is wrong? All right? Uh, let me tell you, this is how it works with my boys. I had this grand plan of, a few weeks ago. To, I took my boys, Declan and Isaiah, said, we're, I have a plan for the day. We're going to go to the park. We're going to splash pad. We're going to ride bikes. We live in St. Pete, so there's the new pier. And I had this whole plan for the day. I laid it all out, and then I said, okay, go get ready. So they go, and they start watching a movie or playing games or something. And I keep like, hey, y'all, get your shoes on. Hey, brush your teeth. Hey, we got to go. Hey, make sure you got a shirt on. We're going to go. So I realize nothing's happening. And I go, after all this direction I've given them, I realize they're not listening. And I feel like that's where a lot of us are today. You know, God's giving you direction. He's speaking, but we're not listening. We can't even start with being obedient because we're too distracted doing our own thing. I literally have to get down on their level and say, guys, turn off everything you're doing. Here's my plan. Let's go. And if you don't go, I'm leaving you behind. I'm just going. And I want to say that I, th- I think that's where we got to start today. God's trying to speak to some of us and get your attention. Cut off, take a moment, just cut off the distractions and go, God, what do you want? What are you asking of me? What ways are you trying to ask me to be obedient? Now I have to ask now, why does it start with obedience? Here's why. Because obedience reveals where you've placed your trust. It reveals where you've placed your trust. That's what it shows God. He knows that if you trust him, if you really, 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 really trust him, you'll obey him. Whatever he asks. And the the widow understood this. In verse 10, it says, she went out and started gathering sticks. So she was preparing already. That's obedience. Verse 10 again, it says, Elijah asked her for water, and she went and got it. Obedience. Verse 15, Elijah asked for her to take care of his needs above hers first. Again, obedience. Now, we could read this and go, man, she's having major supply issues. Like, what is going on in her life? She's No, not just her, the entire region because of the famine. She wasn't sitting there going, man, I don't have supplies because I can't do Christmas because they're stuck out on a ship somewhere in the California port. And I can't. Y'all don't watch the news? Y'all don't watch the news? I, I can't. I don't have the supply. I can't go to the store because they might not have toilet paper. They, well, that's not her issue. Her thing is, where is my next meal coming from? And so this story is not a story about her lack of supply. This story is about her desire, her ability to surrender. This is not a supply issue. This is a surrender issue. And I wrote it like this. You're waiting on God to supply, but he's waiting on you to surrender. You can look at your life and go, man, I have a supply issue here. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough employees for my business. You know, I don't have a spouse. And I would say, have you surrendered to God everything? From wherever you're watching it, have you given Jesus everything? Because your, your issue is not a supply issue. It's the issue of surrender. He wants your heart. He wants to know that you're all in. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, we've read this a few weeks in a row. But I want to focus on verse 2. I like that idea of refreshing. Anyone in here feel like they need a refreshing? Yes, I do. And, and then, so the message version says of the Bible, it says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. So 
Do you need to be refreshed today? Then be rich in generosity and refresh others out of your place of need. Put aside your need and out of your place of need. Do you want to be blessed? Then guess what? Be rich in generosity. From your place of need, bless others. Do you need help? Well, be rich in generosity. From your place of need, help others. And I know that God will meet your needs when you just start using what you have. All right, so it starts with obedience. Number two is generosity offers what you have. It offers what you have. It starts right there. She was out there not just gathering sticks. She was out there preparing. She's preparing a meal. She's probably done this many times. Gone to the well, gather my stuff, go try to prepare a meal. But today she was there out of obedience and faith to God, knowing I have nothing to give this man. I'm just simply here trusting God. I'm just simply here showing up, trying to be obedient to what I feel like God said. And some of you feel like you're in that place today. You, you can't, you're just barely getting by. You're struggling through life. You might feel like you're at the end of your rope. You're just, maybe the marriage is feeling like it's just about over. Maybe the business continues to fail. Maybe you have a loved one that has an addiction that just doesn't keep just pulling them back. It keeps sucking you back into it too. And you're like, I just have to keep going. I have to make this next meal. Listen, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to do what the widow did. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep coming to the well. Keep preparing. Keep being obedient. Whatever God's telling you to do, do it. Whatever God's speaking to you, just keep being faithful with showing up and let him handle the rest. Now listen, we know this widow doesn't have much. She has a house. She has an oven. She has oil. She has flour. She has containers to keep it on. That's what we know. That's a lot, lot less than most of us have. And she still chose to, to let God use it. I want to just encourage you to start where you're at. Stop downplaying what God has given you. You start today. You start now. And sometimes I think we hold on to things a little tighter than we should. Now, this woman, she had a decision to make. Am I going to surrender to Jesus everything? And she only had enough for her next meal, right? So she could have held on to that and said, I need to supply my own needs. But she surrendered to God. I wrote it like this. What you hold on to the most shows what actually has the most hold on you. What you're gripping onto, what, is, what you're holding onto, saying this is my hope, this will sustain me, this will provide for me, that is the thing that has a hold on you. And it might not even be a bad thing. It might be a good thing. It might be something that's not sin, and I, you know, but it's not surrender to God. So as much as this woman needed this, she surrendered what was going to sustain her to Jesus. I feel like there's some people in here today, you're holding on to something that actually has a hold on you because you think it's going to sustain you and provide for your needs and meet your needs. And you should be looking to the provider, Jesus, who is the only one to sustain, who is the only one that can provide for your needs. I feel, I fear that this is where a lot of Christians are. It, don't buy into the, the idea that you have other things in your life that can help you. Only God can fully sustain you. Only God. And I feel, I feel that if, if, we don't, our, if we don't learn this, we'll never actually fully get to experience the blessing of God on our lives. That's my fear, that, that, that God wants to do all these great things in our life. He has this master plan, but we haven't just figured out how to let go of some things. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. What do you love? What do you pursue? Wherever you're watching at, what are you holding on to? I'm simply here to suggest to you that no matter how good or how wrong that thing is, it needs to be surrendered to God and recognize that Jesus is the only one that can sustain you. This is a good chance to say, 
If you haven't yet, we're in the middle of a 90-day tithing challenge. You can start today. There's a, a lot of people in our church have said, I'm going to put God first in my finances. I'm going to trust him with my finances. And there's a few people that you've still waited. And you know God is tugging at your heart. You know he's spoken to you. And you've still chosen not to. You need to start right now with what you have. He, it, remember, it's not a supply issue. It's a surrender issue. He wants to see if you sur- you, you're obedient to him right now with what's already in your hand. All right. Number three. Gener- generosity puts the needs of others before your own. Before your own. Pastor Aaron and I have been friends for about 15 years. And uh, his workout journey didn't actually start with CrossFit, believe it or not. It started with me at a little place called the YMCA about 12 years ago. Y'all know what the YMCA is? We've got so many other gyms these days that you can't, can't keep up. But the YMCA is the OG. Right, so the YMCA, we would show up about 6, 6.30 in the morning, and we were way underage for that crowd. We'd walk in, they'd all be hanging out, eating, you know, chatting it up. They were there for community, which I loved. And we were there getting consistent, and I, I remember the reason I started going is because a girl I was interested in, not my wife, because it would have never worked out if she said this, but a girl that I had interest in said, you have chicken legs. So, <laughs> so I said, that's that. First of all, you're not, you don't get a second chance, I'm going to the gym. And uh, so we both got in shape. We looked at each other and said, we're scrawny. We're kind of like shrimps. Let's go put on some muscle. So we start going to the Y. We're a few months in, and we were having a cheat day. So we leave the gym one day, and, and I, honest to God, honest to God, Pastor Aaron, I don't remember having a sandwich in my hand. But I remember Pastor Aaron having two, not one, but two sandwiches as his, in his hand as we pulled away from the McDonald's drive through window. We went to McDonald's after the gym because sometimes you just got to go there. Stop judging. I, I know y'all know where the McDonald's is in, in South Tampa. You know where it's at. You, you're pulling through there hoping no one sees the Radiant Church bumper sticker on the back. You're having a little cheap meal yourself, so don't judge. So this is what we were doing. We pull up to this light, and there's a man there, obviously in need. So Pastor Aaron call, calls him over. He's, like, disheveled. He's on a bicycle. He calls him over and says, hey, man. And I'm like, wow. Like, this is a cheap meal. Look. When you're 24 years old, these sandwiches are pretty valuable, right? He calls him over and says, I'm going to put your needs above mine. Here's some sandwiches. And the man just laughed. <laughs> I don't need your sandwiches. I just, I'm out for my morning bike ride. I just ate at the restaurant up the street. Thanks anyway. You know he was judging us and stuff, like, look at these guys eating there. So we took the sandwiches back, and we kept going. But I just I wanted you to know, first of all, your, your pastor, Pastor Aaron Burke, has a heart of generosity. He's, he's, I've seen him model this myself. Acts 20.35 says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know what that means? It is more blessed to give than to receive means that the blessing starts when you give. We have it so backwards in America. We have it so backwards in our world. Like when I receive, that's when the blessing happens. No, the blessing happens long before you ever see anything. Obedience brings the blessing on your life. The moment you act in obedience, God's got a blessing for you. You may see it now. You may see it in 10 years. But the obedience to give is what releases the blessing over your life. It says here that she first gave Elijah water, and then he asked for bread. And I think she was there. Knowing how bad her situation was, she was there hoping that it would just be the water he asked for. And when he asked for the bread, she started listing the things going on in her life. Man, well, my son, it's, it's me. I'm alone. We don't have any food. And these are real issues, right? These are real needs. But yet, she was attempting to pause. She had to stop and think, like, 
well, wasn't the water enough? Like, I have nothing myself. And I think so many of us are in this situation ourselves. Well, we're, we're okay going to a certain point, but then, God, you can't touch that part. God, I'll, t- I'll surrender to you in my tithes, but don't ask me to live right in my relationships. Or, hey, God, I, I serve so much at the church. I'm so involved at the church. I lead a small group. Surely that can count as tithes. Surely that's enough. I don't necessarily want to let you touch my finances. And we stop short of the full blessing of God because we're, we're willing to not go all the way. If, if the woman had stopped right there, we wouldn't be reading about her, her story right now. And I wrote it down like this because that's called partial obedience. And partial obedience hinders God's complete blessing. I'll say it again. Partial obedience hinders God's complete blessing. Ask yourself, Am I just okay with doing enough to get by, or will I do what's going to take stretching? It's going to take faith. It doesn't even seem like, I don't know how this is possible, but I'm going to step out in obedience and trust God. You have the choice to make. Every believer has the choice to make, and this is where many Christians are. Many of us are, you know, I'll tithe after all my bills are paid. I'll give back to God. Or I'll serve on the team, but... I know you all have been asking me to lead small groups for two years, but I just don't want to open my house. I have to clean my house. I have to have people over. I have to figure out food. It's just it's too much. Maybe he spoke to you and, and said, give your bonus to the church. The bonus you got, the bonus you worked for. Maybe he spoke to you and said, you should start a ministry or a nonprofit. I just want to say, are you trusting God with that next yes? It's easy to, sometimes easier to make the first yes, but then we've got to keep walking. In faith and in obedience. So, generosity puts the needs of others before your own. Here's the next one. Generosity affects both present and future. Generosity, your generosity now affects you now, and it affects you five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. I know for a fact that I'm reaping the blessing and the goodness and the faithfulness of God in my life because I started about 20 years ago being faithful to Jesus in my finances. So many times we look at our lives and go, we have supply issues. God just isn't providing. No, no, I came to say it's a surrender issue. And as you're faithful here, he not only blesses you now, but he blesses the future. Let's look at the story. Verse 15, it says, she went away and did as Elijah told her. And here's this, catch it. There was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and for her family, for the f- jar of flour was not used or the jug of oil did not run dry. That's not normal. That's supernatural blessing and favor of God. And the cool thing is that it just, just wasn't for her. Her, obe- her obedience affected her household and, and Elijah and the people around her. And I want you to know that, that your obedience isn't just for you. Your, your step of faith isn't just for you. It's going to spill out on the people around you. It's going to spill out. It's going to spill out on the, on the small group, on the team you lead, and the, the, the people you're around at work. Let's read 2 Corinthians 9.9. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Look at your neighbor and say, all. You will abound in every good work. Yeah, I love that word abound because it means it's going to overflow. It's going to happen without you even having to try it. Maybe without you even knowing it, it'll just be... Good work will be flowing out of you. Who's that going to touch? It's going to touch the people around you. Now let's pick up the story. We're almost done. 1 Kings 17, verse 17 says, Sometime later, someone say, Sometime later. The son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse, and finally he stopped breathing. I told you the story wasn't over. So she says to Elijah, 
What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Elijah says, give me your son. He replied, and he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought this tragedy even on the widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? They're both questioning God. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry. The boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave him to his mom and said, look, your, your son is alive. This was an opportunity for God to show himself faithful yet again. They were living in a miracle because of her obedience. And then sometime later in the future, we don't know how much later. It could have been a year. It could have been a few months. She again reaps the reward of her obedience then. I wrote it like this, the things that are obstacles to you are opportunities for God. Put it in your notes. The things that are obstacles to you are opportunities to God. I know it looks tough. I know it's hard. I know you're struggling. I know it's a big obstacle that looks impossible to you. That's okay because we, we serve a God that loves to work in the impossible situations. Her obedience positioned her for a miracle, not just in the present, but in the future. Elijah was there because of her obedience. They were alive through this famine because of her obedience, and now her son was alive because of her obedience. Your obedience to Jesus in these small areas positions you for a big miracle down the road. And it's easy to go, man, well, that's cool for you, Pastor Kenton. You started that when you were 16 years old. I'm kind of, I've kind of messed it up for a while. No, it's never too late. God can redeem the time like no other. It's never too late to start. Today is your moment to say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Whatever your obstacle is, remind yourself that this is what God thrives in if you'll just step out in faith and obedience and say, God, I trust you with my life. I felt with this, with this, really, this is all about being rich in generosity, but it's also about being obedient, surrender to God, no matter what he asks for when it comes to our generosity. So we're going to take it old school. I asked the team to play this song that I remember leading years and years ago. We're going to sing this. Can I get everyone to stand up? And let's just have a moment. Let's have a moment where we surrender to Jesus. You know, maybe you're facing an obstacle in here today. You're going, I don't know how I'm going to pay my next bill. I don't know how I'm going to work out this situation I'm walking through. I don't know how I'm going to get through this health crisis. Today, he wants to work a miracle in your life if you'll just say, Jesus, I'm yours. Maybe he's been speaking to you for weeks. Maybe he's been speaking to you this, this entire service. And you know the area where you've said, God, you can have this, but you can't have this. God, I'll surrender this, but I won't go quite this far. This is your moment to say, God, I give you everything. I completely, fully surrender to you. Come on, let's have a moment of worship. If you feel comfortable with it, lift your hands, close your eyes. Let's surrender to Jesus as we sing this out. Come on.
now, let's take a moment with no one moving around. This isn't the time of the service to leave. Let's get every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the message wherever you're watching, wherever you're at right now, whatever room you're in. This is your moment that God has provided for you to respond. I feel like there may be some people in here that are going, you know, that's a cool message, but I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. Well, today is your moment. The first step of generosity in your life is just simply giving God your life and committing to Him and going, God, I, I want to surrender to you. I want your plans, not mine. So there's people in here that you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I'm all in. I, I give you my life. I want you to be my Savior. Right now is your moment. So when I'm going to count to three, I want you to just lift your hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down. We just want the opportunity to pray for you, to believe with you. So if you are saying today, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I surrender to you for the first time. I'm going to choose to follow you with my life. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, every location right here in this room, lift your hands, lift your hands. Yes, 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 I see you. Yes, I see you. Amen, that's amazing. Come on, five more seconds. There's someone in here you know that you need to surrender your life to Jesus right now. Yes, I see you. All right, awesome. Let's pray together. I want everyone to pray this out loud. Let's say this together at every location. Dear Jesus. Come on, dear Jesus, I surrender to you. I ask you to come be my Lord, be my Savior, and be my best friend. I give you my life, and I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate the decisions that were made across the Radiant locations today. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.